motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to be here with our guest today, Shannon Christensen. Shannon was born and raised in Kelowna, BC, and lives there with her husband of nine years and two boys. Shannon is passionate about her friends, family, and her community. With a BA in psychology and a master's of counseling psychology, she has a passion for working with marginalized populations and used this drive to start Mamas for Mamas, a registered nonprofit organization dedicated to reducing the negative impact of poverty on low-income mothers and their families. Shannon has been recognized as a top 40 under 40 recipient a woman to watch, and was a top three finalist for Women of the Year through the City of Kelowna Civic and Community Awards. That is an impressive bio, Shannon. Oh, I thank you. Megan helped me write it. (laughs) (laughs) It's always good to have those friends that help us. Yeah, I'm not one to speak of accomplishments. I'd rather speak of what things make me feel. Well, I hope we can dive into some (laughs) more of that in this conversation today. And I'm just so excited to be able to have this conversation with you. And to start, I would love for you to share, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but the story of how and why Mamas for Mamas came to be. Yeah, there's multiple editions. There's the long version, short version. I'm going to give you like somewhere in between um, because I don't want to bore anybody, but I think it's important to understand the context was so much more than just, I want to run a charity. I want to start a charity. That wasn't actually the intention. And it wasn't originally meant for poverty relief. It was meant to connect mothers of all socioeconomic backgrounds so we could bridge the divide. And yes, of course, poverty relief was part of that. But for me, it was about emotional poverty relief and isolation based, you know, quote unquote, poverty relief as much as financial. So I was, you know, finishing my master's degree and I was doing my internship at Youth Forensic Psychiatric Services and it was incredible. It opened my eyes to so many things. I, you know, as a relatively privileged woman, I grew up in a position where I didn't have to worry about where I was going to sleep, if I was safe in the home I was living, what I was going to eat next, you know, and these kids were experiencing so much trauma. And, you know, as a result of that, they were criminalized and they were lashing out. And I just couldn't help but wonder, as part of this little side project I was building off the side of my desk, how could we make sure that prevention is part of Mamas for Mamas? Like, how can we make sure that we're reaching these kiddos now? So maybe in 15 years, we have less kids on these, you know, youth forensics cases. I isolated myself and I reached out to my Nana to try and figure out how I could bridge the gap for myself. And she suggested, you know, reach out, build a community. If it doesn't work, at least, you know, you try. And uh, that's what I did. I went home that day after having a big old cry and a big cup of soup at my Nana's and her just saying like, you know, Shannon, if you don't like what's happening, you must change it. You know, you are in charge of your destiny, her little accent. And I kind of, something clicked for me that day where I thought, you're right. My husband works out of town. 
you know, my mom had moved to China, my dad had just passed away, and I was really experiencing a moment of desperation. And I went home and I started this Facebook group and I called it Mamas for Mamas because I called my mom Mama and it just made sense. You know, fast forward a few months, it was like, okay, I think we should turn this into a nonprofit. Like people are starting to try to give me money and I can't give them these tax receipt things they're asking for. And I mean, I was a trauma counselor trying to make a difference with a, you know, off the side of my desk kind of social media sharing economy. And clearly I was not the only one who needed that. And we've reached 62 communities. We have satellite branches in 62 communities. We have four physical locations. Two of those locations have staff. Two of those locations are all volunteer run. And that is the most beautiful part about Mamas for Mamas is it moves into each community at the speed and pace that the community is ready for us. We don't just come in hot. Sometimes we're there as a volunteer-based agency for years before we have staff. Other times like Vancouver, they had the capacity to start raising funds at the same time as they had the capacity to find a space. And it just worked for them to be able to move into a staff kind of situation. So from 2014, this really sweet Facebook group that became a nonprofit. 2017, we finally became a registered charity. It took a long time for the CRA to take us at face value seriously, you know, because we were a social media platform that wanted to help all moms. And it wasn't about (laughs) any particular CRA-based poverty relief or mandated charitable purpose. It was like, we just want to help. So we guided it and we, we built the bylaws and we spent the time and we really looked into what was available in our community. And our entire focus was, let's connect those moms to those resources and whatever else is there, let's fill the gap. There's a lot of gaps. You know, we went from $50,000 annual budget to 1.8 million this year in four years of operation. And that shows not that we are taking over any one particular area, but rather we're finding a variety of different gaps and different systems. And we're plugging in with a hand up, not just a handout. So it is in a moment help, but it's long-term finding out how to change that system. So we don't continue to have these mamas falling through the cracks. That's the story of mamas really. Well, and it is so amazing. I love how that it started with that conversation with yeah. your Nana. Yeah. Sometimes and- that's what you need is just that person to encourage you to, to try something out of your comfort zone. I think that's one of the things I've grown most in. I don't really like going out of my comfort zone, which doesn't make any sense. Cause that's literally all I do. <laughs> you know, I push myself out of my comfort zone, building a national charity right from the get go. You know, that, that is out of my comfort zone. Building a local charity was out of my comfort zone to be totally honest. But I just kind of thought to myself, well, why not? You know, I have the the passion and I also had the funding. You know, my father had left me a large inheritance and there's some weird psychological connection to wanting to give that money away to something greater than myself as his legacy, because it just felt weird enjoying those funds. Like it felt weird being like, let's buy something nice and fancy or let's go on a trip or let's do this. I'm like, what would he want to be done with his legacy is not a trip to Jamaica, although maybe one, but he would want to see his girls engage in what he was most proud of. And that wasn't the 4.0 that I killed myself over or all the other things that I truly believed he valued. You know, his last words to me were at my wedding and he spoke of kindness, you know, as a real characteristic of mine, that was something that set me apart. And I'm not sure I recognized that in myself until that moment. And it was humbling. And I thought, wow, that would be something I'd be a lot more proud of walking into a room, as he said, and the whole world can just feel your kindness, like you exude it. And I was in a position where I was potentially going into law, I was potentially going into forensics, and it was very dark, and it was very heavy. And I did spend a great deal of my time doing sexual assault trauma counseling, domestic violence trauma counseling, and things that were kind of pulling you into the dark side. 
And mamas is such a beautiful combination of all of that because I get to have my clinical skill set. I get to be part of these consultations. I get to be supportive of these unbelievable women who are on the front lines. We have 25 staff members now, and they are superheroes in blazers, you know, all day, every day, or t-shirts, depending on their role, you know. And to just be part of this is a huge benefit to me in my own community building, in my own isolation poverty that I don't feel anymore. Yeah, you have created a beautiful movement. Thank you. Well, we have. Yes, yes. (laughs) It takes one to have an idea. It takes a village to create a movement. And that's one thing I stand firm on is, yes, I will take a microcosm of credit for building something small that was representative of the rest of the world. But I truly credit every single mom who chooses to be part of it, who allows that vulnerability to come through and to ask for help or to offer support, putting aside the need to build higher fences and really, really engage in building longer tables is something I'm seeing more and more as the rule, not the exception. And to me, if that was all we did through mamas, it would have been a major success. But the economic system-based poverty relief approach is really helping us to see things from a global perspective and how Canadians are experiencing poverty versus the rest of the world. And considering we're in one of the most wealthy countries in the world, I find it abhorrent that we have the millions of children who are living in poverty as we do right now. It's just absolutely unacceptable. And it's my mission to change it. I love that. And I do agree. It's crazy. It's crazy that that's the case here in Canada. Now, I wanted to ask you, how can moms, if they were looking to access the supports and resources available for mamas for mamas, What steps would they need to take to be able to connect with you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Such a good question. There's so many different ways and there's the peer-to-peer platform is normally where people start. And that's just the Facebook group. Most people are on Facebook. They can join and just Google Mamas for Mamas and your local area and likely uh, something will pop up. And if it doesn't, just email us, you know, info at mamasformamas.org. We can help guide you into your closest you know, physical branch or close to satellite branch. There's also the opportunity that if there isn't a branch in your area, we can help if it's appropriate for you to build one, you know? And so that's kind of our, our next step is really encouraging these smaller satellite branches to grow into more physical locations and having the karma market, having the registered social workers on site. But really at the end of the day, if you're ever in need support, you can reach out to us through Instagram. That's a quick, easy place that a few of us manage and we can direct you to where you need to go. It's just at Mamas for Mamas. There's also a variety of sub branches that you can check into. Generally, you only get an Instagram account once you have a physical location, depending on the level of volunteer and community support. We'll have that as well. But, you know, just reach out. Um, MamasforMamas.org, our website is absolutely beautifully built. It's very easy to navigate. Pop on there and hit branches and it gives you a full map and a, a full outline. And truly, you know, we're happy to, to connect one-on-one as well. So just send us an email, shoot us a DM, call us at the office, <laughs> send us a bat signal. <laughs> there you go. All the ways, all the ways. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you as well, how can people get involved and lend a helping hand if they're interested in supporting the work that Mamas for Mamas is doing? Yes. Thank you. I would say probably the best place to go is just mamasformamas.org. And then it's join the team or volunteer. Can't remember exactly which drop down menu it and what it says, but it's volunteer join the team. And then you just fill out an application. I do recognize that the application is quite comprehensive. And the reason for that is because we want to make sure that we're putting people in a position where they can really succeed as a volunteer. We need to know if you have five hours to donate a, a week or if you have 20. And we need to know if you can pass a vulnerable sector criminal record check. And that is frustrating for some people because they're like, well, I already volunteer at my kid's school. And okay, then send us that application. Like as long as it's within the appropriate timeframe, it's all good. We're just very, very conscious of the fact that we're working with 
high-risk families, and we want to ensure that anybody who's in touch with them at any level, whether it's online or in person, has a certain degree of training and understanding on the trauma-informed lens and how to approach a mama who's having a hard time. Because when a mama is giving you a hard time, chances are the hard time she's having is tenfold and she needs compassion and empathy a hell of a lot more than she needs to be told that she's being inappropriate. Because guess what? She knows. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I also wanted to ask, because I know Mamas for Mamas is always up to so many amazing and interesting (laughs) things. What is Mamas for Mamas up to these days? And maybe to what plans might be in the works if there's something that you can share? Oh my gosh. Yeah. How much time do we have? (laughs) Um, Well, right now, BC is in a state of emergency and we've got a ton of branches and mamas who are really in need of our support. So we are hyper-focused on flood relief. We've got Selena and her team out in Vancouver and area, and they are getting, you know, helicopters to bring items from one area of town out to a few different reserves that have been heavily flooded and they're unable to to leave. And that's part of the Indigenous support program we have to ensure that there is a high focus on our Indigenous community members to make sure that they're not falling through the cracks. Because generally speaking, they will be falling through the cracks a lot more than individuals who are not living on a reserve. So in that case, she's also had helicopters flying from you know, Abbotsford to Hope and then different areas of Hope. Like she's just, you know, and the whole team down there is coordinating it. They all work beautifully together. There's never a, you know, I did this or you did this. It's like, you know, we did this, which is the vibe that just keeps mama's branches growing. Um, So the floods, Christmas is coming up and we are going hot and heavy on this one. I tell you, we did 6,000 hampers across Canada last year. We expect that to double. I mean, the first year of the pandemic was incredibly difficult on families. The second year was three times as hard. Because for the most part, the supports that had been offered in the first year had tapered out. A lot of families who'd been on CERB were now having to pay things back. We had families who not only lost their jobs, but lost government assistance. Most charities, you know, had access to about 20% of the grants and funding in 2021, as we did in 2020. It hasn't slowed us down. We're just, we're working smarter, not harder. Actually, we're doing doing both. Let's be real. (laughs) We're working smarter and harder to try and make sure that as these floods are coming in, as Christmas is approaching, and as we have thousands of families displaced from Merritt and Lillooet and surrounding areas of Vancouver and Hope, and um, that we're here in Kelowna to welcome them and to bring them in and to provide support. We just sent a five ton down to Merritt and Lillooet. And over the weekend, our team showed up and just packed it full of whatever they could need so they could build a makeshift food bank and emergency support system in one of the school gyms down there. I mean, whatever we can do to fill a gap in you know, emergency relief, absolutely, but also crisis relief and poverty relief as families are leading up to Christmas and feeling more economically crunched than they ever have in their lives. You know, we have a lot of people who generally have never required help ever. They've never been on any sort of assistance. We've seen an uptake, you know, double the amount of people who have never been on income assistance, who've never needed a Christmas hamper, who are coming in full of shame and sadness that this is their situation and leaving with dignity and support, knowing this is a hand up, not a handout. And we have them, we got their back. We're going to get them through this and they're going to get themselves through this, which is really the key. We're just going to be here to continue to remind them they've got that power. Well, it so takes a village, doesn't it? Right. The holidays are already pretty darn stressful. And so this year we have the warehouse, which is like a godsend. You know, we've got our commercial business finders, Canada friends that have been very, very generous. And uh, it's Brent Marshall. He donates 50, 50, 50% of his real estate commissions to different charities. And he has chosen mamas for for right now. You know, it's based on whoever buys it. They get to choose where it goes. 
but those funds go directly to paying for the warehouse. So we don't have that overhead, but we have a national distribution center. So if in a smaller part of BC, maybe Northern, they need Christmas help, but we don't have a branch there. We're going to be able to get items there with our hubby train. You know, we have a lot of our hubbies, literally it's, you know, they drive different places and we give them stuff and they drop it off. Like it's the hubby train. But that saves up on our shipping costs and it allows our partners to get involved in what we do. So they see more of the impact and not just the hours and hours answering emails until midnight (laughs) and, you know, just going, going, going. It really allows us to expand our programs without expanding the administrative rate. That's incredible. So incredible. People coming together and making wonderful things happen. And I know this topic of the village, you have mentioned it a few times in our conversation already. And just on a more personal level, I wanted to ask you how having a village has played a role in your own motherhood juggle with all the things that you do. It's everything. It was really hard not having one. And I thought something was wrong with me. I didn't know why I wasn't welcome in the library playtimes with the other moms. I didn't know if I was too much if I wasn't enough I didn't know and it was devastating we already judge ourselves a lot as mothers and when other mothers don't really seem to want to connect with you for whatever reason it just compounds that sense of shame and you question everything you know and so when we built this village of mothers that truly accepted me for who I was and wanted to help build this out for more moms to experience it it was like I hit the lottery like it was like kindness currency jackpot and in so many moments in the last couple of years I, I wanted to give up you know I wouldn't but I wanted to it was exhausting I invested my life savings my dad's inheritance my heart my soul the time with my children all of it I invested into this and when the pandemic hit I didn't know what was going to happen but I knew I'd always have the village and that was like an epiphany it was like you know what even if The development side of mamas has to take a break or shut down because every penny that we expected to come in has now been canceled. We still have each other. And it was a moment of really, truly knowing I wasn't alone anymore. And when I can tell you the exact moment I knew that was when Lindsay showed up at my house, my director of programs and services nationally and director of my heart most days. And she showed up and she brought my computer and she brought wine and a cheese plate and uh, a list of grants to apply for. And she's like, we got this. And I just sobbed. And I was like, you're right, we got this. And we wrote all the grants. And I think we got 17 out of 18 that we'd applied for. And we were back to the races. And it felt in that moment that I was experiencing that true sense of relief and comfort that our mamas must feel when they come in the door and realize they're not alone anymore. And it propelled me further and faster to just make sure this organization never had a moment of scarcity or a moment of fear like that again. And that's what what our plan has been. We're creating long-term plans so that if and when, you know, things occur that prevent us from fundraising in that moment, then we won't have that issue again. Yeah, it's been unbelievably tough. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a tough time. It's just been unpredictable. And I think that's just one of the harder things to deal with as a business owner. And even though it's it's a nonprofit organization, we have we have in and out, you know, we have a bottom line. It's a very complex business because it's tax exempt. (laughs) And really that's that's the difference. Our product is hope and we're tax exempt, but we're a business and 
we need to make sure that our business of helping mamas continues regardless of the community's ability to support it, you know, in different ways at different times. We can't rely on one source. We need to have eight to 10 revenue sources that are always cycling. So there's never a question as to if this doesn't happen, we shut down the program. Nope. If this doesn't happen, we just don't do the program at the same level. We will always do the program. Well, and I wanted to ask you too, because I think sometimes this is something that comes up and I think back to when I first became a mom and I had friends and I had a community, but suddenly I felt really alone when I became a mom because I was sort of the first of my friends to have kids and my husband went off to work and I was standing there thinking, huh, and you know, people say, find your village, but it can be really hard. And what advice would you give to a mom looking for her village and feeling like she's all alone? Just don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to ask for what you're looking for in terms of support. It's okay to be a different kind of mom. You know, we got the free range moms, we got the helicopter moms, we're all good. But find a mama that maybe suits your style of parenting and that will automatically reduce some of the initial potential conflict. Find people who are your jam, who read the same books as you, you know, and go on Mamas for Mamas and just post who you are and what you like and you will find. Actually, we see this quite often where moms will go and post, hey, my name's so-and-so and and these are my kids' ages and this is what I like to do. And there'll be like 50 or 60 comments. Next thing you know, they've built a small little side Facebook group with the 10 or 15 of them who've become besties. That is the goal. They've built their own social microcosm of a village within a village. Like it's just, it's amazing. Reach out, be open. And if you're afraid of being open, that is so okay. Be patient with yourself, be kind with yourself, you know, take little itty bitty steps. And honestly, the best thing that I can tell a mama is to get into the, I am the, I am mentality is I am strong. I am loved. I am kind. I am anything you want to be. I am yourself every morning because it will be what you are and who you are. You are what you are. You are what I am, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. So just empower and encourage yourself to love every little bit about who you are. Even the stuff that is, is hard to love. Those are the things that other people love about you more than you will ever realize. Yeah. It's so true. Share, share it. Yes. (laughs) You know. Well, and another thing that I love so much about you is how you talk about kindness and how at Mamas for Mamas, kindness is our currency. And what does that mean to you? Well, when I was first kind of in the motherhood scene, I was always doing the buying and selling of things, you know, buying the high chair, selling the bumbo. And I kind of thought like, this is so weird. I'm haggling with other moms and we're becoming like, acrimonious with each other about five dollars off of a freaking bumbo seat like it just felt like a transaction and I couldn't help but wonder what it would feel like if it was more of a donation or more of a connection rather than a transaction and so the goal in building mamas for mamas was to have money taken away from the equation not necessarily because of individuals struggling with poverty but because we're all experiencing isolation-based poverty as mothers and when we take money off the table the only currency we can use is kindness and connection which I believe is the missing link for moms to feel like they have access to that village. So in in saying kindness is our currency, it means you will get anything you need for free from mamas, whether it's the karma market, whether it's clinical services, counseling, whether it's going to another mom and picking up an item, it will always be free. And the only thing we ask is that you show kindness because that makes more of a difference to that mama's life than anybody could possibly imagine. A sense of belonging is the strongest predictor of mental health, period. Connecting versus transactions allow that to flourish. 
And so we're engaging in a totally different economy where it's a sharing economy that is connected through kindness. Bizarre, but it works. Yeah. No, and it's so true. Like, I just feel that. So when you talk about that, I just think about, you know, our kids, I think about just wanting to feel that sense of belonging. But as and as moms, just you're right, just that little bit of kindness goes so far. It does. And you know, it's it's interesting, because I can get firm about things. And I'm still the leader of an organization that is dealing with a lot of very complex issues. So When people say, you know, is kindness always your currency? Yes, absolutely. It's my currency. But sometimes people put me into debt. And at that time and in those moments, I will respond in the kindest way I can. But if you're attacking my team, if you're causing harm to somebody, I will not cause you harm, but I will not allow that to happen. And so my my Buddha has a backbone. Let's put it that way. I don't think it's fair to say that kindness is is never our currency in, in the sense of that's always the case. Always, always, always. But I think it's important that people recognize that if they continue to pull from that bank over and over and over again, eventually they're going to get insufficient funds and we're going to have to talk at a later time. I love that. This Buddha has a backbone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she has to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like a mom can be as kind as the day is long, but she needs a backbone with her kids. I will be kind as the day is long, but I will be firm with anybody that that I feel like I need to be firm with, with kindness as my lens. Well, and I think a big part of that too, is then that's kindness to ourselves, right? And that's exactly right. You know, it's not about letting people walk all over you. And it's not about walking all over anybody else. It's about realizing that you, you need to walk alongside each other and understand each other. For the most part, when people reach out, if they're upset about something, you know, a father reached out, he was upset. He wasn't allowed on the Facebook group. His message was very angry, but I didn't respond with anger because he wasn't tapping into he wasn't withdrawing from the kindness currency bank too much. He was just unaware that he wasn't tapping into his own. And I just needed to meet him where he was and to hear him out and to let him know how I was feeling about his, his concern. Cause I agree. I think that there should be more inclusivity, but I won't change the way the group operates based on the comfort levels of the mamas. We've tried this. It hasn't worked. We're moving on, but I wanted to take the time to respond and to hear him and to see him. And I took three hours responding to his email because he took time to connect with me. So that's my kindness currency returning is saying, I hear you and I see you. I might not agree necessarily, but I'd love to find a solution. Come on in and meet me. Let's do this. And he was lovely. He was so lovely. He felt heard and he felt seen and he did. He was just frustrated, you know? And so when you approach people with that trauma informed lens of, I know that you're just struggling with something right now and let's walk through it together. I'll do that always as my first approach over time, you know, the backbone might become stronger than the Buddha. And I think that that's in any business. Yeah, absolutely. And so wonderfully kind of you to hear the story, because oftentimes when something happens or somebody reacts a certain way, there's more to that story than that moment. Yeah. Usually, you know, it's a moment of scarcity. You know, often it's, I needed that box of diapers and they're lashing out and angry at the mom, not because of the diapers, but because she feels frustrated that she can't provide right now. And in that case, we're like, come on into the office. We will load you up. No problem. You know, if the peer-to-peer platform isn't providing everything you need, come on into the office. Like we have anything and everything you need. The peer-to-peer is great, but it doesn't always meet the need. And it's not always conducive to certain mama's lifestyles or capacities. Some individuals are not able to be online for whatever reason. Social media is not safe for them. Social media is not comfortable for them. 
We have quite a few women who are in protective housing situations and they just need to be able to call us and we put together a box and we either drop it off to them or they come pick it up. I mean, it doesn't have to be a public situation, but it sure can be if that's what you're looking for. No, I'm sure you must have many stories and Mm -hmm. many experiences and many memories from the time and and sort of history now of Mamas for Mamas. But when you look back at your journey so far, what is maybe one of your favorite highlights or wins or something that you feel the most proud of if you can pick one? Oh, gosh. And you can pick more than that. So many. <laughs> I know. Um, I, you know, I, I would say like one of our biggest moments was walking into our first like physical office space. And it wasn't the big one. It was a little like 150 square foot office. And I was working with Sydney McDonald and Siobhan Battiston and Candace Chisholm and a few other badass babes that were just like, let's do this. And we got, it was in a society of hope community space. So it was a low-income housing development and they they have those little community offices. And we got the like admin office in there for a while. And it was like, we were real deal. And we celebrated those moments so deeply. You know, we had like, I think an $8,000 budget that whole year. And that took a lot to raise in bottles. I'll tell you, that's a lot of bottles to bring in. That's when Sydney taught me how to do a pub night. You know, I'd never done a fundraiser before. I literally had never raised any money ever in my life. And I was like, so I'm starting this charity. <laughs> and I was wondering if you knew, like, do you want to come to a bottle drive? And she's like, no, but what we can do is a pub night. So, you know, we started to get a little bit more formal in our, in our fundraising and a little bit more formal in the way that we were able to provide services. And we didn't have a social worker. It was, it was me and the other girls fielding calls from moms who needed help. And we were finding solutions. It was a motley crew of mamas in the most magical way. And it was very special and very grassroots and some of my fondest memories. That's amazing. That's such a beautiful picture. And I can just imagine the excitement and your first pub night must've been a lot of fun. Honestly, it was a riot and <laughs> it was like, it wasn't just me anymore. I, I had my village and it was powerful, you know, to see the people from the community at that point, it was all just my friends and my husband's friends and Sydney's friends and Kansas friends and Siobhan's friends. They're just bringing our friends in to come and buy tickets. And, you know, we didn't even really have a board built. We were starting to build our board of directors then. Like it was all just like, it was so grassroots. I can still smell the grass. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And, and that's what I love because any chance, any chance that we take to build a new branch now we do so in the same way it's all grassroots each branch is responsible for raising the funds for their area so any funds raised in Kelowna stays in Kelowna, vice versa with any other branch so Calgary raises money for Calgary, and I train and support and I train the trainer on grant writing and fund development and anything and anything. Some people are confident and jump right in and apply for grants other people are holding off and getting more comfortable with different areas and applying for the $500 community grants. And, that, and that's great too. But it's just beautiful to watch this moment in time in that first office space explode into so much support for so many moms every day that I don't even know about. Yeah. <laughs> I used to know about every single case, every single mom, every single situation. I loved that, but I have to say that I love this even more because it shows how many more mamas are being supported. Now you're a mom of two boys. How old are your boys now? Eight and 11. Eight and 11. So what does your motherhood and work juggle look like? <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what it looks like. All right. Yeah. Yesterday, I was on a call writing up a very important letter of intent with Selena 
And I had one boy ripping out behind me because I was at home because my little guy was home yesterday. So when one of my children stays home, generally I stay home and I work from home. That's a juggle. I'm very blessed to be able to have. I've got a great team that supports me. Yesterday wasn't ideal for me not to be in the office, but it was what it was. And they just supported me in that. I stayed up in my emails. I finished them at 8 p.m. because I wasn't able to get stuff done earlier in the day because I was with Jacob. So I finished at 8 p.m. last night instead of four. That was part of my juggle. Halfway through my phone call, my other son comes in the door and I'm like picking up the nuggets I picked up on my way home from one of my meetings so that I could give him a snack because I didn't have time to cook. So I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's great. We should talk about the poverty index line. I've got your nugget, you know, and I'm handing him the nuggets and my dog gets up and she starts wiggling all over the place and she's got a torn ACL. So I'm trying to get my one son to take the dog outside. The guinea pig starts losing his mind and I'm like, get Cliff a snack, you know? And then we finished the LOI about 25 minutes later. And then I had to jump on another call and it just, and then repeat, you know, (laughs) the juggle is real. (laughs) It is, but I love it. I mean, I'm juggling blessings. I've got healthy, beautiful children who are kind and respectful for the most part and hilarious. And, and I want to hear about their day and I want to, you know, and I'm juggling that with working with some of the most passionate, brilliant people in the world that are in my life because they're making the world a better place. You know, and then I have my husband rolling in with a Costco order, just happy, you know, how's it going, babe? It's super duper sweet. And I got wine and just a nugget, you know? And then it's like all these things I've got on the go are things I think most people in the world would kill for. So I will never complain about being busy. I say I'm busy, but I'll never complain about it because I'm juggling blessings. I love that way of looking at things. That is just amazing. And I can just picture all those things happening at your house. animals the children all the fun right oh yeah oh and I forgot my little guy is is in a backflip class right now so we put a mattress downstairs so he can practice his backflips and there was a massive bail during one of my calls and I had to rip down I was pretty sure he broke his neck so I was like no backflips until dad's home okay he's the EMT not me thanks Yeah, we're going to put a a stop on that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it lasted for what, three seconds. Okay. And then back (laughs) to the back slips. Yep. (laughs) Oh, our children. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're crazy. Never a dull moment. Now, I have a few rapid fire questions for you because uh, a big part of my mom philosophy is big burrow steel. So I love picking Mm -hmm. brains from other moms. Love that. And just. Seeing what you're doing and perhaps stealing it and using it as my own. So what is one of your go-to meals on a super busy day? Chicken thighs in the oven with green beans and rice. Awesome. Love it. All the food groups, right? And like chicken thighs, I find they're super filling and they're, they're, the kids love them. I love them. Everybody loves them. And do you have like a favorite sauce or marinade or... Oh yeah. I call it uh, Sam's chicken sauce. And my brother, Sam made it up. Uh, Most people I know call it Shannon's chicken, but Sam gets mad. So it's Sam's chicken. (laughs) Frank's red hot little Creek and garlic. And it's like happiness in a, in a container. It's so freaking good. Like anytime I'm making dinner for a friend for their birthday, they're like, can I have Shannon's chicken? Like, yes, of course you can. That sounds amazing. What is one of your favorite family games or activities that you guys enjoy? Charades. We get a real kick out of it. Jimmy's really good. Okay. Okay. Is it something you'll just do like on a random Friday night or something that's more in the summer or just kind of anytime? Yeah. We have the box of it's kids charade. So it's easy for them to read. And um, honestly, just like we leave the box out and sometimes at dinner, sometimes like after dinner or whenever, 
It's uh, it's one of Jimmy's favorites. That and Scrabble. We love Scrabble. And Jimmy loves chess. So he's Ooh. teaching me. I never learned to play growing up. And so he's teaching me right now. And he says stuff like, hey, mom, I, I love the move you just made. But if you think two moves ahead, you'll note that I'm going to take that one out. This is my 11-year-old. That's very you'll sweet. <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> you've got to think ahead, mom. you got to strategize. And I'm like, <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was strategizing. <laughs> this is me doing strategy. I love that he's coaching you. Oh yeah, I know he's a great. He's, <laughs> That's so sweet. He's a an indigo child. He's a sweet old soul that really and truly, based on the way that he was delivered, probably shouldn't have made it into this world alive. He's a miracle, honestly. Well, he sounds like a very sweet little guy. I love it. They're both sweet. I have a rowdy <laughs> and a wise. We've got three boys and they're definitely a mix. It's so interesting. They're definitely, it. yeah, they're each their yep. own little person. Yeah. Now, if you could sit down and have a conversation with any mom, who would it be and why? RBG, because she's badass and she is one of my all-time heroes. There's something about her that was just so much far before her time. And she was a feminist in a patriarchal world and just didn't give a shit. And I am in my life striving to be as strong as she is and as kind as she is or was. And just the way that she handles things that she doesn't like is something I want to emulate. And I'd like to sit down and chat with her about what it was like to be a mom going to law school you know, I mean, she had a very supportive husband. She, her life and my life are very different, but I see parallels in that my husband's before his time and the level of support he offers to me and hers was like that too. You know, and when she talked about in her documentary, she would sleep all weekend. And this is like me, work 18 hour days and sleep all weekend, you know, and I, and I did that in early stages of mamas. And sometimes even still, if there's weeks where I don't sleep for two, more than two hours a night, I, do, I will catch up on the weekend. And uh, just asking her, how she got through it without the kind of same village that I have, because she was a one woman army in many cases. She was literally the only woman on the Supreme court. She was the only woman working out of the home during that time, out of all of her friends. Like I can't imagine going through the kind of discouragement that I'm sure she did and still pushed through and had a freaking smile on her face. Like that woman reminds me of my Nana. if She'd been a lawyer. So that's, that's who I'd like to chat with. That would be an incredibly interesting conversation for sure. Now, I want you to think about the phrase, if I knew then what I know now, and what might be one of the biggest takeaways or aha moments that you've had as a mom? Like, what do you wish you had known when you started your journey as a mom? That it doesn't get easier and be kind to yourself. I think we all think that the next stage is going to be easier and it's not. It's more beautiful though because you feel more confident, you feel more connected, you feel more like you're really their mom. This little human that is like in front of you is yours. And to just give yourself a break. Okay, you're, the puree you made yesterday was crap and they didn't like it, move on. You know, like I think we're really, really hard on ourselves and we often base our own self-respect and self-love on how our children feel about us. And I would suggest not doing that. You know, you want them to love you, of course, but you need to love yourself first or they won't know how to template. To co-regulate with your child requires that you each love yourselves and each other. And so, you know, really from the get-go, if I had known how to co-regulate with my baby and understanding what that looked like, I would have been, I feel, a much calmer mother. 
I was really overwhelmed when they wouldn't stop crying. You know, I was okay with it, but I would cry too. And I didn't realize how much that was affecting them. And the training and the work that I've done with babies since then are realizing that my nervous system is truly a mirror for them. Had I known that then, I would have probably worked harder on my own regulation. Yeah. There's some tough moments as moms, hey? Well, yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. just if we give ourselves permission to, that failure is normal, I suppose, and that it's expected and it's something to learn from rather than to be shamed about. Definitely great learning opportunities along the way. And nice yeah. for our kids too, I think, to see that, right? Because absolutely, we're going to make mistakes and learn from them. And they are too. And it's yeah. a part of the journey. And start early, you know, yeah. pleases and thank yous that can be taught along with apple and banana. Like teach your children manners right as soon as you possibly can and be polite as, as an individual as well. I think that is one of the biggest things that I noticed in, in my kiddos' friends is they're they're very polite. And if they're not, after being in my home, they certainly are. And I'm a very free range parent, but if you are hurting each other or being rude to each other, you got to come see big mama and nobody wants that. If I'm not making snacks, like I have all the boys in my house all the time. There's like eight little eight year olds that are always whipping in and out of my house and they're always welcome. And they know that, and they're always safe and they will always be fed and they will always be loved. And some of them need a reminder once in a while, as as well as my children, that kindness comes before all. And so like manners, 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 teach your children how to communicate with each other, teach them how to problem solve, teach them by being part of it with them. Don't just say deal with it. Ask them what they need to understand each other. Because little boys, if they learn at an early, and little girls, but little boys, especially when they learn early on how to problem solve and communicate, chances are they won't be externalizing their behavior later on with drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and badassery. And if they are, then they are, that's who they are. But what we can do is provide them a safe place to learn how to be the kind of person we want to be proud of. Well, and Shannon, you've shared so much incredible wisdom with us today, but before we wrap things up, I'm just wondering if you had any final thoughts for moms who are listening, who might be looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles. If it doesn't feel right, you're right. Follow your gut. Always don't ever question your gut because as a mama, your nervous system is telling you things your frontal lobes might not be picking up on. Trust your gut. I love that. That is so true. I, it's everything. Yeah, it is everything. Mothers are incredibly intuitive beings. We need to let that intuition come through. I love wrapping up with that message. I think it's such an important one. Shannon, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time, all your words of wisdom and your story with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and Mamas for Mamas and the work that you're doing and Mamas for Mamas is doing, where are the best places to find you? Mamasformamas.org is the Mamas for Mamas main kind of landing site. Instagram is all Mamas for Mamas and I'm Shannon Big Mama. So it's pretty easy to find me. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us, Shannon. It was great to connect with you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.